0: Welcome to The CAP, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students, and parents so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted, you should listen to all of the episodes, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Erica Padilla, who is a Regional Associate Director for the New York Metro Area at the University of Rochester. Erica Good day, and so glad to have you here today. How are you?
1: Hi, John. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. Um, Fantastic to be here. Um, Talk a little bit more about the college process.
0: Fantastic. We are very excited to have you here, Erica. So why don't you tell us about yourself, Erica, as it relates to being an admissions representative, and how did you end up in such a position?
1: Um, to be honest, I never thought I would go into college admissions. I grew up in the Caribbean. I came to college in New York and like many parents hoped that I would return to the Caribbean. And I ended up living and staying in New York. Um, And I I got my first job out of college was working at my my alma mater, which was an amazing experience, but it was intended to be my first job. It was going to be my starter job that would launch me into other things. And I fell in love with it. Um, I just liked working with students and seeing them on campus. It just made me realize that it, it uh, accentuated a lot of the things that I love, um, and a lot of my skills. So, so I think, what did they, they say? Like, I think three years or a career or something like that. And now <laughs> I'm 20 years into it. So I'm not going anywhere. Admissions is for me for sure.
0: Wow, that's amazing. And the University of Rochester is certainly very lucky to have you, and so are we on the podcast today. So thank you again, Erica, which leads me to my next question. Erica, speaking of the University of Rochester, what is it about the university that makes it so appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend?
1: What I love about Rochester is a a Tier 1 research institution, which is a very sort of clinical way of saying that there are hundreds of millions of dollars of funding coming into the university what is unique is that in the world that in the world at rochester almost 80% of our undergraduate students participate in research and have access to really even originating their own work i think that's one of the things that i love most about the university that we do have an open curriculum and so students want access to being able to really craft a course of study that's really reflective of who they are that allows them a chance to sort of chart their own course and at graduation you just see the pride that they have it this is all these are all the things that they laid out at the beginning and just being able to see where they are uh four years later um it's a really unique environment that encourages students to be uh engaged and to be creative original um and then the community is coming from everywhere students are coming from 140 countries from all across the state, so I love the diversity of, of experience and um, backgrounds that students have. Um, I've loved my time working at the university part partly because of that, um, so uh, it's an exciting place to be and it's mostly, so most of our students live on campus also, so it tends to be a very collaborative um, community. I think People might see Rochester and think, oh gosh, there's like this really competitive nature on campus, right? It's a really cutthroat kind of school, and actually, total opposite, not at all. Um, you, you do a lot more working together as a team. Um, and if you know anybody who is a Rochester graduate, Meliora comes to mind. Meliora is our institutional motto that is truly um, lived by every member of the community. The idea that everything that you do as a community is aspiring to be ever better, to have a long lasting impact. Um, on just the human condition and the human experience, um, it sounds very cheesy, I think, when people look at it. But in fact, it's 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 a really core value that I think. In the time that I've worked at the university, I've seen it reflected in a lot of different ways, and I certainly live by it myself. So I, um, I love that. I don't know. It's that's I fall in love with the school. So here I am, four years
0: later. <laughs> well, it's not cheesy at all. In fact, one of my best friends. <laughs> His nephew is a current sophomore, and he absolutely loves it. And one of the statistics that I read recently told me that 95% of the freshman class actually returned, which is an astonishing statistic. And again, that's a testament to the great work that you do in admissions to make sure that the right students come to campus, but also the great work that you do on campus to make sure that the students are happy and that they return. So Erica, let me ask you, what is the average profile of the current freshman class in terms of their GPA and any other related data that you collect?
1: The average GPA for an incoming student is about a 3.8. So on a 100-point scale, roughly about an A- average. Um, Rochester went test optional before the pandemic. It had nothing to do with COVID. Um, We were a test-flexible institution. And so what that means is students have the ability to send us SATs or ACT scores. Um, The average SAT is a 1440 and the average ACT is a 33, roughly. Um, But test flexible means that they can also send us AP scores. They can send us IB uh, predicted scores. So it allows students a chance to really start um, letting us know aspects of who they are that they think are really important to the process without um, feeling like they're strapped exclusively to SAT or ACT. Um and uh it's the incoming class is about um almost half of the incoming class is, is test optional. Um so yeah, that's a, a little bit of the academic profile.
0: Terrific. And thank you so much for that insight. Erica, what advice would you give a student if they actually fall a little lower than the current freshman class average? Should they apply?
1: Um, I find that students are the hardest on themselves. I think um, it's very easy to look at an academic profile and disqualify yourself. Um, And uh, I think you shouldn't necessarily do that. I think, though, perhaps your academic profile falls below what I mentioned a moment ago um, as an average. It's an average, right? So there are students above it. There are students below it. Um, The important thing is, do you think that the academic environment is a good fit? Um, talking to your counselor to find out if maybe there are other students that have had similar profiles to your own that have also found themselves um, on a positive track to enrolling at Rochester. Our our admissions process is holistic, and of all the places where I've worked, um, the holistic review process is really true in in how the university reviews applications. Um, We take into consideration the academics of the student, their academic trajectory, but then also the academic rigor, who they are as, as scholars, who they are as members of their community. Are they folks that have lived up to those milieu values that I talked about a moment ago? Um, all of those elements of who a person, who a student is, are really, really critical to our process. And so at face value, though we do report our averages, not everybody falls right within that, that GPA or, or SAT, ACT, if they chose to submit exams. Um, so don't disqualify yourself. Um, but definitely speak to one of us and maybe we can help walk you through the process to see if it would be a good fit.
0: Understood. And you always report the middle fifty, and it's important to note obviously that the middle fifty means that twenty-five percent of the students fall lower than that, and of course twenty-five percent fall higher. So that's great insight, Erica. Thank you again. What about on-site interviews? Do you conduct them with prospective students? And if so, what advice would you give a student preparing for their interview?
1: Interviews are one of my favorite things. Um, (laughs) We do conduct interviews. Um, If anybody is familiar with the University of Rochester, they'll note that we we promote our interviews very heavily. It ties back to what I was talking about a moment ago, that holistic process and trying to get to know the student beyond just the the statistics that are on the page. We do host in-person interviews on campus. Lately, because of the pandemic, um, we began hosting them virtually uh, and then we host regional interviews as well. So, for example, I'll go out to to Long Island or to New York City and host interviews at, at a coffee shop or, or something like that. Um, I think what the interview does is gives the student an opportunity to lend um, a personality to their application, lend their voice to their application, and articulate things that they really couldn't find maybe a space to expand upon anywhere else. Um, what we want to know is the story of, of you, right? The story of who they are and what types of things maybe have brought them to consider Rochester uh, as, their, as their long-term plan, as part of that long-term goal. Um, I think the interview is also a wonderful opportunity, and this kind of goes ahead to something we might talk about, to demonstrate interest, to be able to say, I, I stand by my application and I want for you to know more about me in part of that process. Um, so it does become pretty integral to our review. I don't have enough, a formal statistic, but I'd venture a guess that at least probably half or two thirds of our enrolled class will have interviewed for admission. Um, so it's, it's a huge part of our process. It could be held, an interview could be done by me. It could be by a senior interviewer, or it could be done also by one of our alums.
0: Well, we appreciate the insight. Thank you so much. And, I'm glad that I asked that question because an interview is not necessarily something that is related to every single college or university out there. Obviously it is to the University of Rochester, so we appreciate, again, the insight. What are the different ways a student may apply to the University of Rochester?
1: So we have early decision one and early decision two. Those are both binding agreements. A student who is admitted through one of those uh, has made the determination that they're gonna matriculate at the university. ED 1, the deadline is November 1st, and then ED 2, January 5th. Um, For students who are applying through ED 1 and 2, they're getting their notifications well in advance of of our regular decision candidates. Regular decision, um, that deadline is January 5th, and students are notified around mid-March. So we don't have early action or rolling admission. we also have combined degree programs with our graduate schools um, Areas like, for areas like engineering or medicine that also have earlier deadlines um, than our regular decision deadline. Those, however, are not binding. It's really just a requirement because of the additional layers that are required within our process in order to be considered for, for those accelerated degrees.
0: Well, we really appreciate that overview. And Erica, I was curious if a student applies early decision, which of course you mentioned is binding. Is there a better chance that they will actually be admitted? What advice would you give a student considering applying ED?
1: Um, To a degree, so the academic profile for a student who's enrolling or who's applying through early decision is much the same as that of our our incoming class. Um, But to a degree there is an advantage in that you're competing in a smaller pool of applicants, right? So we get about 20,000 applications Um, We get a significantly smaller volume of those applications that are coming through ED. Um, So that does give students a little bit of an edge. It won't make a student who's academically unqualified or that we strongly feel may not be a good match for us um, suddenly admissible, however. Um, My best advice for making a decision to apply early decision is you absolutely should have done your homework when it comes to finances, going onto the financial aid website, visiting the net price calculator, having very honest and open conversations at home about cost um, because it's going to be, again, a commitment. Um, And also really have done your homework around the culture and the environment, the community, so that you really have an understanding as to whether or not you really see yourself there before making that ED commitment. it can really be a wonderful opportunity for a student to really start earlier in the process and get things laid out a little bit sooner for sure um, and there are some some students that um, pursue early decision that i think early decision too especially that maybe at first were uncertain about applying through ed1 because of the earlier deadline and so that's where ed2 becomes an amazing opportunity you can still make that commitment Um, and have had that additional time to really have assessed your options and make a decision.
0: Well, we appreciate that information. Thank you so much, Erica. And I was curious, I know that the University of Rochester is test optional, and a lot of times when people hear that a school is test optional, they frankly don't necessarily believe it. So (laughs) So could you share with us the percentage of admitted students that in fact did not submit test scores with their application?
1: Um, So I don't have the exact number, but it is about half of our incoming class. Um, And in fact, I was just looking at our enrolled class for for this fall and it was about 45% of our enrolled class um, that is coming in test optional. And students are not just being, they're not just enrolling into all of our programs at the undergraduate level. Um, they're also being admitted into some of those combined degree programs that I talked about. So we do have students that are on track to go to the School of Medicine and to Engineering. Um, Rochester is test optional officially with, I know a lot of schools are still sort of assessing how they were going to move forward after the pandemic or as the pandemic has, has continued. We had been on track to become test optional before that. That was sort of the idea behind test flexible. Test Flexible was our effort to dip our toe into the waters of just, well, what happens if you give students the flexibility to make a decision? So what kind of examination they feel is a better reflection of them as a scholar? Um, and eventually moving fully into being test optional happened a year before COVID began. So what's been lovely about that is we had a full year to really understand our identity as a test optional institution. Um, and navigate some of those changes that were going to happen internally, um, which I know a lot of schools were were grappling with as as COVID was also um, unfolding. So so on, on our front, if a student has made the decision to go test optional, it's absolutely their choice and it does not impact access to anything, including scholarship opportunities. The question that I often get from students related to test optional has more to do with having other students from the same high school, for example, who are also applying. And I heard from them that they're sending their test scores. Um, And there's a lot of peer pressure around that. My answer to that question is focus on your process. So long as you feel like you're really putting your best foot forward and exemplifying who you are as a potential member of the community, then don't worry about what other students are doing. Their decision to submit testing will not impact your choice to be test optional. They're being reviewed, again, holistically and independently.
0: Well, that's great advice, particularly the piece where you're talking about not looking at other people, whether it's are they submitting scores or even what college or university are my friends going to. Too often students follow a friend without really considering what they themselves need and are looking for in a college or university. So we appreciate that insight, Erica. Thank you so much. What about AP, IB, or dual enrollment courses? Does the University of Rochester accept that for credit?
1: Um, We do accept AP scores and IB HLs. APs, usually with a four or with a five, in some cases a three. We actually, on our website, have a complete listing of AP exam uh, scores and the equivalencies that they would be receiving within the curriculum at Rochester. Um, with the IB, the if a student is pursuing IBHLs um, with a five, six or seven generally, they would qualify potentially for, for credit. But the University of Rochester also happens to have an IB scholarship. Um, so in general terms, a student who is pursuing AP classes, of course, is really challenging themselves academically. The same thing with a student who's pursuing IB classes or even doing a full IB diploma. Um, And that would be a student that would be eligible for for that IB scholarship. Dual enrollment is a little stickier. We do offer credit for dual enrollment classes that a student took at the institution. So if the student is taking the classes at the high school um, and maybe getting credit through a local university, that we won't be able to accept for credit, but it will be weighed in the process because no doubt that the decision to take that dual enrolled class, dual enrollment implies also usually um, more rigor within the, the curriculum or, or certain elements of that course that would be taught at the at the community college or the university that are being integrated into that high school class. So. Um, If you are taking a class at the local school or wherever you're duly enrolled, we just need the transcript from that institution to be able to determine um, transfer credit. Um, And then we do have that comprehensive website also for understanding IB equivalencies within the curriculum too.
0: Well, we appreciate that and I like the explanation regarding the dual enrollment classes where in fact if a student is taking it within their high school at the University of Rochester. You probably won't accept it for course credit. However, you do take it into consideration for the overall application, so I appreciate that insight. Speaking of the overall application, another piece is the college essay. Erica, what are some examples of college essays that really stuck with you? In other words, when you read it, you thought, this student has to come to school at the University of Rochester.
1: Um, I always grapple with this question when it's asked, because every year I read essays that I'm just... Um, I'm just incredibly impressed by what the students have shared, what, uh, the additional context that they're giving to their application. And then of course, as soon as I'm asked the question, poof, it's all gone. I can't remember an exact (laughs) example. There was an essay that I've, that I read a while ago, um, that has stuck with me today. That's always been sort of, um, I think resonates because of the honesty of the, the piece itself. But because it really spoke of the students day to day, to me, those are, I think, the essays that are the most valuable because they speak of the students daily life or things that are important to them. In the case of this particular student. So I'm the counselor for the New York metro area. um, And this particular student talked about riding the subway to school every day. I read a lot of essays about students who ride the subway to school every day, because when you work with students that are in the boroughs, that's just often what, what you read about. Um, And that was absolutely appropriate, by the way, if you're thinking about writing an essay about this, riding the subway, it's totally fine. Um, This particular student, I think, articulated it in such a way that it struck a chord because she spoke about reminiscing about her experience riding the subway and reflecting on the faces that she saw every day and looking to the future when she comes back after college. And will those faces be the same and what kind of impact she would have on her community? And. Um, I think the fact that often students, again, to kind of thinking about their daily life and the things that might be important to the college process, are very quick to disqualify things that they do every day as being uninteresting or even just like so regular that who wants to read about it. And I, I don't walk a day in their shoes. And so to be able to talk about something that maybe seems as as ordinary as i ride the subway every day um actually can be very unique and very interesting because it adds another layer of of voice to the application um and so for me i thought that was great because obviously this is a student who's going to have that experience that they're going to lend to the community at rochester um going back to like our meliora values well this is a student who's thinking about having that lasting impact um and being able to come back to the community and reflecting on what her experience in college is gonna mean long-term. For me, the essays that I think have have struck a chord with me, that is an example, but I think sometimes also just the students who are able to reflect on individual experiences at times or individual moments. I've I've read an essay this year that spoke about um, a student's dance recital and, it wasn't so much the description of the dance recital, it was sort of reflecting on their love of dance and how that had grown and the experience of being on the being in the spotlight and actually the physical reaction and capturing that physical reaction um, that I thought was, it was done so cleverly and I, I could actually imagine myself on that stage going through like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm sick to my stomach, they're like, the lights are on me. Um, There are also some really wonderful ones where students have incorporated um, original poetry Um, that can also be done really effectively. So I think where a student really can give us a sense of who they are, not worry so much about what they think we want to read. because I think too often students are thinking about what does an admissions counselor really want to read? And this is not going to be enough for for my application. absolutely not think about what's important to you that's what we want to read so those are always the the best essays for me
0: well, that's great advice. I really appreciate it, and uh, both examples resonated. Uh, you know, being someone that grew up in Brooklyn and took the New York City subway to high school, I could definitely relate with that student that you explained or described. And also, I have two daughters that are now in college, both of them were dancers. So when you talked about dance recitals and someone writing about their experience, I, oh, well, I, I felt yeah. like I felt like you were speaking to me. And I think that that's the whole point, students. When we've said this before on the podcast, the Overall application is a marketing package. And so the essay should be about a story or something that happened to you that really shows Mm -hmm. off your personality, your character. It shouldn't be something that's already in the activity sheet or on your transcript in terms of the courses that you've taken and the grades that you've received. So Erica, those are great pieces of advice. And of course, the other piece or another piece of the application is the teacher letter of recommendation. So in terms of teacher letters of recommendation, what are you looking for to help you get a better picture of the candidate?
1: Um, So the teacher recommendation, I think, can spotlight the student in the classroom space, how they relate to others, how they relate to the curriculum, um, what kind of learner they are. Um, A really great letter of recommendation will usually incorporate examples um, that can really elaborate and explain some of those things that I just talked about. Um, You know, in general, it's hard for a student to be able to ascertain that one specific teacher is definitely going to be able to do that for them. Um, But I think the most important thing is to go to the teacher that they feel can really talk about who they are, knows them well, um, or has had an opportunity to really engage with them, maybe even outside of the classroom, because they could be um, advisors for a club or involved in other ways. Um, I think the teacher recommendation, so where the, the letter, where the essay really is the student lending a voice to their application and giving us sort of Um, who they are in their own words this is a member of the community speaking of who the student is as a member of that community Um, but it's really the community within the classroom space Um, and that's what we really want to understand also just academically um, how have you engaged are you someone who's uh, looking for a challenge are you someone who will rise to the occasion are you someone who's giving of your time maybe you're a quiet person in the class but you are a quiet voice that is always wanting to participate or always submits homework that is clearly well thought out. Um, so that's really what we're, we're looking for, that additional little nugget. It goes back to that holistic review that I was talking about a moment ago, um, because we really wanna understand all the different pieces, all the different layers of, of who you are. Um, so a teacher rec can really make a big difference. It's hard, I know, because of the pandemic um, and students being virtual, being back in person, now that they're back in person, have had a little bit of time in the classroom. Hopefully they've had an opportunity to engage with teachers and and have gotten to know them and they've gotten to know the students as well. Um, But there's flexibility, at least in the context of Rochester. We need one teacher recommendation and one counselor recommendation. Um, and there is flexibility for a student to, to pick a teacher that they really feel um, can speak to who they are, given all of the challenges that, that we've faced over the last couple of years.
0: Well, those are great examples. And I was also curious, in terms of demonstrated interest, how often should a student visit the campus and do you keep track of such things?
1: Yes, we keep track how often should you visit campus? As often as you can, but it's not a requirement. It's not an expectation. Um, if you can't, that's absolutely fine. Um, I think it's important to know that um, demonstrated interest, I, I like to talk about it as advocacy. You're, you're self, you're promoting yourself, but you're also supporting your candidacy and your application. You're putting yourself out there and supporting that application. Rochester, I spoke about before, being a unique environment in that we have an open curriculum and certain other elements of the community that we like to think of um, demonstrated understanding, meaning you've done your homework and you understand who we are as a community, um, in the academic setting on campus, all the things that the university has to offer, and how those fit who you are as, as a student and your your long-term goals. So... There are a lot of other ways that you can demonstrate interest outside of visiting. Um, The reality is that it can be really difficult. We're about five and a half hours away from New York City, so it can be hard for a student to to make their way up there for a parent to take a day off. Joining any one of our virtual events is a great way to learn about the university. Um, Connecting with me, your admissions counselor at Rochester, um, maybe doing one of those interviews that I talked about a moment ago. And then in general, usually in the fall, hopefully in the fall, um, assuming that everything stays the way it is, we'll be visiting in person and we'll be visiting the schools um, and having an opportunity to interact with students in person. And that's another way for for a student to connect with, with us in the admissions office. Interestingly, and we didn't talk about this a moment ago when we were talking about the college essay, but supplemental essays can also be a really creative way of demonstrating your interest in that you can really show off your knowledge base and what connects, what resonates with you about the university. Um, Supplemental essays, usually for different institutions, they're very specific to that institution. And in the case of the University of Rochester, it does tie into our institutional motto. Um, So it's a wonderful space in which students can really let us know, how does it all fit together? Where do they see themselves? And how, why is Rochester a fit? Um, and really demonstrate that that knowledge base. Um, so there are a lot of different ways of doing it. Certainly if you can visit us, we would love to have you. We have open houses coming up. We have in-person tours that are happening throughout the summer. Um, but if you can't, definitely engage with us in other ways.
0: Well, those are great pieces of advice. Visit as often as you can. And the supplemental essay, I'm glad you brought that up because oftentimes there's a supplemental essay and the students don't spend quite as much time on the supplemental as on their initial. And if they're serious about a school and they want to demonstrate their interest in a particular university, they really should take the time to write a comprehensive essay, not only for their first essay, but for each of the supplemental questions. So, thank you so much for that advice, Erica. We really appreciate it. And in closing, What are the top three pieces of advice you would offer prospective students and their parents who are starting the college admissions process?
1: The first is everybody lives near a university, um, regardless of that university being, um, on your top 10, um, or even being a school that you might apply to. I think it's worth a visit. Um, if you've never had an opportunity to set foot on a college campus, or even if you have set foot on a college campus, but you're still trying to figure out what are the elements that you're looking for, visiting your local universities can be a really easy way to understand characteristics that you think are important. Um, people always make fun of. I, I always describe universities as having personalities. You know, like we're we're all. There's always somebody in your life that walks into a room and lights up the space. And there's always somebody in your life that maybe walks into the room. You're like, eh, not so excited that person's here right now. Um, But I guess I have to live with it. You don't want to have to live with it, right? You want to be in an environment where everything is firing. You feel like you totally connect, that that personality matches your own, which is also why the process can be so tedious, because we all have our own personalities and we all have our own requirements and we're all islands on our own. Um, So students, I apologize in advance for all the work that you're about to be doing and that you are already doing because of those differences. Um, But I think walking around a campus can help you articulate maybe things that you're interested in. Um, I did a panel a couple years ago where a parent suggested. So this is totally apparent. And thank you if you're out there, by the way, for this, because I share it with everybody. um, Dividing and conquering. If you're visiting a campus, and um, hopefully you're maybe visiting with with a family member or folks that are supporting you, being able to get maybe on more than one tour, on two separate tours is great because it allows two different perspectives. Um, You can walk around the campus, take pictures, ask questions. And this particular parent said, when we got back to the car, we would not talk about anything other than the one word that comes to mind in thinking about the institution that we had just visited. Um, and the conversation usually on the car ride, wherever they were heading, revolved around the types of questions that were answered and what they learned and whether or not it, it was a good fit. And what I thought about that a suggestion was, it's wonderful because it, it brings the family together in the process. Um, I also love that it puts the student forefront of the process because it can be very intimidating and sometimes to have your parents or whomever's advocating for you being the person in front can be very easy to do and kind of hide behind them. Um, But no, it's important that you put yourself out there also and that it allowed an opportunity to get different perspectives about things that are important. Um, So again, if you're out there, thank you for that suggestion because I share it with everybody that I've ever, everybody that I talk to now. Um, I think it's also, um, you're going into a process. I I don't know if if your audience are are juniors or uh, rising seniors. Um, If you are in high school, you're getting a lot of gratuitous advice from a lot of people in your life who are very well-intentioned and are are wonderful supporters. Um, I think it's helpful to take in some of that advice, but always bear it with a grain of salt Um, because I think it can be very easy to get caught up in some of those recommendations or even the peer pressure, because you're hearing other people are applying to all these other schools. And suddenly you're wondering, why am I not doing that? Um, remembering that this is your process and it's your four years, you should be happy and excited to be at that school. Um, and the last thing is you don't need to know what you want to do for the rest of your life. Um. I, I would argue that I'm still figuring it out myself. Um, I was an English major in college. I wasn't planning to be an English major. People still ask me, what are you going to do with an English major? Um, the important thing to know when you're college bound, I think, is some of what I spoke about a moment ago. The, the characteristics of the environment, the community. Um, sometimes starting, if, if it's really hard to start with the things that you want, start with the things that you absolutely don't want. And that might help create that list of, of things that you are aspiring to in a community. Um, but knowing uh, officially knowing what you want to study doesn't necessarily have to lead the process. So long as a school has the things that you're interested in, academic programs that you're curious about, that's a really a great starting point. Um, but don't feel the pressure to necessarily have that all laid out already. Um, but I know it's, it's easier said than done. So. Please lean on us if we could be of help on the college side, um, lean on me as, as the counselor for Rochester and um, definitely turn to the supporters in, in school, your counselors, your advisors, they're all going to help navigate the process too. I think that's more than three though john
0: <laughs> well that's okay because those are tremendous pieces of advice and i really cannot thank you enough for your time and all of your insight today we really appreciate it and i'm so happy because i know it's going to help so many students and their parents thank you so much for being here and i hope to have you again soon erica
1: oh my pleasure thank you so much for having me this was great
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.